Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Praise God. We're going to begin this evening by looking to the 47th Psalm here. And it says something in here that's, that's just appealed to me. I know I thought I was going to go to seven points we made at the end of last week, but is it okay if we change that? Thanks. Appreciate it. 47 Psalm, beginning at verse 1. And we read, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Yeah. Quietly. No. No. Oh. Shout to the Lord, to God, with a voice of triumph. Shout? Is that dignified? Shout? You must be Pentecostals or something. (laughs) For the Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom he loved, Selah. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises unto our king, sing praises, for God is the king of all the earth, sing ye praises, now notice, with understanding, sing praises with understanding, amen. You know, over the years, we've heard of all kinds of different cures being provided supposedly for all the ailments of mankind. Anybody here ever hear of the barefoot cure? They believe that if you walked around barefoot, all weather, all types of weather, that it would do something within your body to help you to overcome, I guess, any sickness or disease. Uh, Maybe enhancing your immune system. I don't know what the logic was behind it, but many believed in it and attempted to do it, of course. And then there was the mud bath cure. That mud bath cure was supposed to cure everything from common cold to cancer. I don't think it worked too well, but anyhow, many tried it. Then you had your medicine men. I remember being young and watching some of the old Western shows on TV, and the medicine man would come with his wagon. Remember that? And he would have all these bottles of these wonderful wonder cures, and people would be just putting out the money, just grabbing them because they wanted to be healthy and all that. Well, I don't know how effective any of those really were, but we want to talk about a cure this evening called the praise cure. It's the praise cure, okay? Notice in your notes, praise, praises shouldn't be difficult to understand is your first word. Why? Because we praise our children for their achievements, don't we? And we praise, let's say, workers for their efforts. In some places, you get a special parking space because you are the employee of the week or something like that. Or they get awards or that sort of thing. But obviously, we appreciate the work that people do, so we praise them for their achievements. But when it comes to God under point A, God above all is to be praised by his people for two things. Number one, who he is, who he is, and two, what he has done. If that's all we think about, who he is, well, we can go off on that, couldn't we? He's the creator of heaven and earth and seeing all that in them is. He's the one that called the stars out by their names, praise God. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He's numbered the hairs on your head, knows all the number of the sand along the seashore. That's intense, wouldn't you say? Uh, he said, fear, thou, fear you, don't you fear me, says the Lord, who's the one that laid the boundaries of the sea, that the water shall not pass over the sand on the seashore. Because I gave it a decree, and it won't pass over. Don't you fear me, he says? Who is he? What has he done? Oh, he has done great things for all of us. Under point B, 
Those who have understanding will do so knowing praise releases power that defeats the enemy. Amen. The praises of God, the high praises of God be in our mouth, the two-edged sword in our hand to do what? To bind the kings with chains and fetters of iron to destroy the work of darkness, praise God. Oh, yeah. And so praise is a powerful thing that releases the power of God. Now, the book of Judges chapter 7, verses 2 through 7, I'm not going to take time to read through all those particular verses, but I just wrote it out here for you so you can see it for yourself, if that's okay. All right. It's Gideon's army of 32,000 men fighting the Midianite army, and they have 135,000 men. And if you look at it just from that ratio, it's a four to one advantage, okay, or a disadvantage if you're with Gideon. So that means every individual would have to fight four in order to win the battle, right, and overcome them. Now, this isn't Hollywood. Don't you just love some of those Hollywood movies where <laughs> this very thin young lady beats up five big burly men? Yep. And it's like, <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> One's coming from this direction and whacks him. Another comes from that direction and whacks him. I think, well, go all four at the same time. You ever thought, think about that? Yeah. But they don't do it. They just, you know, one at a time. And never mind, we won't even go down there. But... All of a sudden, God says to Gideon, well, if, wait a minute, wait a minute, four to one, I'm, if you've got 22,000 men, because he see 10,000 or 22,000 left, because he said, if you beat them with 32,000 men, then you're going to think you did it yourself. That's right. So tell 22,000 who are fearful to leave and go back home and be with their family. And so they leave and go back home. Now they've got 10,000. Now we have a 13 and a half, a half a person. 13 and a half to one, yeah. right, disadvantage. Yeah. They're outnumbered 13 and a half to one. Now you've got to beat up 13 and a half. Now you've got to get one of these two ladies that fight real well and really get them to fight for you, okay? But the Lord says, no, 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 that's still not good enough. Um, still going to think you did it on your own. So here's what I want you to do. Go have them get themselves a drink of water in the pond here. And if they lap it up like a dog or if they bend over on their knees and drink it, then I'll tell you what to do. So they do that. And so the Lord says, take these 300 men who drank that way and put them over here. Send the rest of them home. So the rest of them go home. Now we've got 300 men and they're fighting against 135,000 individuals. And now we have a ratio of... 450 to 1. 450 to 1. Wow. You talk about being outnumbered. Under point A, Gideon's army of 300, I love this, wasn't based on ability. It was based on their drinking habits. <laughs> oh, I like the way you drink. Come on and fight for me. I don't know how to fight. <laughs> really? Imagine that. 450 to 1 based on their drinking habits. Wow. Okay. And God's reasoning for this is what? Your next word is, so they can't boast. So they can't boast. They can't boast on them being so mighty and powerful. And we did this on our own. You know. Okay. Now, in Judges chapter 7, verses 16 through 22, and this is from the NIV version, instructions were given. The 450 were to blow their trumpets and they were to shout. You know what? I wrote that out. So what I got this, I'm just going to read that to you from the NIV version uh, of the Bible. And this is what, what the instructions were, because you know it's important to follow God's instructions explicitly, to do it exactly the way God says to do it? We want deliverance. We want help. We want power release. We want healing and all that. We've got to do it God's way. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout. For the Lord, 
and, Gid and for Gideon. That's what they were to shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Just after they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and broke their jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused Amen. the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. Huh. What kind of a strategy is that, if you think about it? I got a jar in this hand. I got a trumpet in this hand. And God wants me to use it in a certain way. All right. In your notes, under point A, God's power was manifested when they did exactly what God said to do. Yes. Exactly, precisely what God said to do. And that is so important that we do things God's way. They shouted, they blew the trumpet, broke the jar, and so on. And as a result... The Midianites are defeated. Yes. 450 to 1 ratio, and they're all defeated. And who defeated them? The Lord did. You see, the Lord caused something to happen. When we do it the way God says to do it, the Lord causes something to happen. And notice that there was a shout that was involved. They began to shout. Remember the Jericho walls, how they came down when they went around seven times and seven times on the seventh day, and then they shouted with a great shout, and the walls came down. What do we just read in the book of Psalms? God goes up in a shout. Shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph, for God goes up in a shout. In other words, God manifests himself, himself when people shout. I know that sounds strange, but anyhow. Under point two, in some circles, the shout is undignified. It is. It's undignified or extreme. It's considered inappropriate, improper, and in some cases even beneath you. Hush, hush. We come to church to be quiet and not say anything. Well, that wouldn't have got the job done for uh, the people of Jericho under Joshua or here for Gideon. Now, when God is in the shout, your next word is, the shout is dignified. It is dignified. Hallelujah. When God is in the shout, it's dignified. Now, I want you to see something as I read this to you from uh, Ezra. And again, this is the NIV, and I typed it out or had it printed off, rather. So you can just listen. Unless you have the NIV, you can follow along. Ezra 3, 10 through 13. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with, their, and with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But now notice this, but many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. So you got the older ones, what are they doing? Weeping. And you got the younger ones, the new ones, what are they doing? Shouting for joy. And why were they, uh, why were they weeping? Well, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. I would say the shouting and the weeping were both very loud. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, what's significant about this is the fact that, okay, the first temple, we're talking about Solomon's first temple, and they saw how elaborate it was, how it was laid out, how it was put together. And the older ones, that's the vision that they had. That's how they saw things. That's what they were used to. But now we've got a new one that's coming up and we've got these others that have taken over and they're doing it this way here. And these, these older ones are looking at that and just saying, 
Man, that's not like nothing like what we had. This is how it was over here. This is how we used to do it. This is this. That's that's. The only thing I got to say about that is this: Jesus didn't make his appearance in the first one, but he made his appearance in the second one. So apparently, it was good enough for him when he came. That's the time of his coming. So they were weeping over here. They're shouting over here. You can see the same thing, and one weeps and one shouts. Wow, how significant is that? You can see the same situation. This one weeps, this one shouts. What's the difference here? I guess it's the way we see things. It could be a sickness, it could be a disease, it could be a situation. How do we see it? If we see it this way, we're probably going to weep. If we see it that way, they're going to shout. Matter of fact, if you recall what James says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, the trying of your faith works patience. Let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. James, what do you mean? Count it joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That's when it's time to not shout or not count it joy. But he says, no, that's how you do it. You do it with faith. Okay. In point B, the young shouted, the old wept aloud, but Jesus entered the new temple, and that's where it was, where it's manifested the, everybody say it, greater glory. The greater glory. Hallelujah. The glory of today is greater than the former glory. Thank God because of the blood of Jesus and the better sacrifice. So the point was, instead of looking at it, well, that's how it used to be. Look at how it is right now, and thank God that Jesus is the one that made his appearance in that temple and start praising God, start shouting to God because you've got tr victory. Amen. You've got triumph. Amen. Under point C, blind Bartimaeus shouted is your word. He shouted until he was heard by Jesus. If blind Bartimaeus didn't shout above the crowd, he would have not been heard he would have not received his miracle, but because he said, well, I should say it this way. He didn't say, I know I'm a blind beggar, but I'm too dignified to shout. I'm just not going to shout. It's just not in me. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not how he's going to be. He's going to shout. He's going to shout. And he shouted. Um, notice this under point D. Don't leave home without your shout. Before I go any further, just to show you how this works with healing, I'm going to read this to you. Don't leave home without your shout. Did you bring your shout with you? Amen. All right. Dr. Lillian B. Omens, in her book called The Praise Cure, she talks about a missionary to China who is ministering to another sister uh, with smallpox. As a result, she contracted smallpox herself. Well, she asked the Lord in her situation, what am I to do? And please listen carefully. The Lord told her. Who told her? The Lord. He said to her, sing and praise him for his faithfulness to his word. Okay. Wow. Yeah. He told her, sing and praise him for his faithfulness to his word. Imagine that. This woman is suffering. She's probably going to die in, in their eyes, in the people's eyes. There was no cure for smallpox back then. And the Lord said to her, sing and praise me for my faithfulness to my word. Okay, so the doctor isolated her and told her to be quiet. She said if she didn't praise God, the very stones would cry out. So she sang and sang and praised and praised. The doctor said he feared for her life and her case was serious and awful complications threatened. But she praised and praised and sang and sang. The doctor said she was evidently delirious. It's good to be delirious for Jesus. But he had so little help that he couldn't restrain her. And she sang and sang and praised and praised. He told her that if by any chance she recovered, she would be disfigured for life. She sang and praised louder than ever. The doctor asked, why do you pray so much? She answered, because I have so many pox on me. God shows me I must praise him for each one separately. And she kept right at it. Amen. The Lord had shown her a vision of two baskets like on a balancing scale, one containing her praising, which was half full, and the other was her challenge, which was full. So obviously that's the one that's weighted down because it's, it's full. 
He told her that the praise basket must be filled so that it would outweigh the other, so she kept at it. Her songs and shouts were so spirit-filled that they were contagious, and the Christian nurses couldn't resist joining in, so they kept the place ringing. At last, the Lord showed her that the praise basket was full and overflowing. She saw it sink and the challenge basket rise in the air. In a moment, as it seemed, the eruption and all the symptoms vanished, leaving no trace, not even a scar of smallpox. The praise cure. And I've been, at least I've read where it says that the praise cure, when when applied, never fails. When properly applied, never fails. So we're praising God for something we don't see yet because we believe he's faithful to his word. And we believe it so much that we don't let anyone or anything put our shout out. Just keep on praising him. Praise God. All right. What praise does. Number one, it gets our focus off ourselves and on God. In Psalm 35 and 28, off ourselves and on God. It's easy to focus on ourselves, is it not? And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. Remember that story? This is that song. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. That's what this woman did all day long. It became so contagious that the other Christian nurses followed suit. And the place was ringing with the praises of Almighty God. And she did not stop. But here's the point. She had this revelation. This is what she was told to do. God showed her this is what you need to do. This reminds me also of another woman that had cancer and that she was dying from cancer. And she was told of the Lord if she would get to to a place in Texas where a meeting was taking place, that he would heal her. And so even though she was passing out along the way and her husband thought that she was dead because she couldn't fly. Why? Because uh, she was so close to death that they wouldn't put her on an airplane. They wouldn't allow it. And so he drove her all the way there. When, When they got there, the meeting was going on and she was prayed for. And then all of a sudden, I, th- I believe it was a tornado came in or a hurricane blew through where, where she was and, and all that. And they shut the meeting down, gets back in the car. And now she's kind of despondent and because, you know, she's not, she, she got prayed for. And she said on the way back home to Florida, Lord, I thought you said you were going to heal me. And he said, I did. And she said, what do you mean? Well, I did. I did. And on the way home, her husband said she kept passing out. He thought he lost her, thought she was dead. Gets her finally home when she gets home. And now they're in there. I believe it was the one room. It was either a dining room. But yeah, her dining room. She could look out to the backyard through a dining room window. They had a tree that came down. And uh, it, was, it was cut down. And now it was just laying on the back before they left. And, of course, it still had a lot of leaves all over it. And the Lord said to her as she was sitting in a wheelchair, look out your window and she did and he said to her you see those leaves yeah you realize the tree's dead already yeah well you praise me as every leaf falls off that tree out there and when the last leaf falls off you will see that I healed you in Texas now that sounds crazy she, her whole disposition changed. Her whole attitude changed. And she looked out there and she was just watching. Actually had to call the tree company that cut it down and said, don't take it away. Leave it there. And she watched every leaf fall off. And she was praising God. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. You healed me in Texas. I thank you for my healing. I thank you for my healing. And she would get to the point of just praising and shouting and thanking God. And finally the day came when the last leaf fell off one of the branches, and her cancer completely disappeared, completely healed. And he told her, I healed you in Texas. When you said that that was a point of contact. You see, faith believes it receives before it sees the result. And if you believe it from the heart, there's only one thing left to do is what? Praise God for it. I know this sounds difficult, 
especially when there's pain in our bodies and we're going through that kind of a challenge. I understand that. I know that. But we're talking about situations where we need divine intervention. And think, oh, we could go to places and go to meetings and all that, and you're going to get some level of success, some degree of success. But in actuality, in our everyday life, we just can't live that way. We need to learn these blessed truths from God's Word so that we can apply them to our lives. Whether we're at home, in our bedroom, or whatever. As a matter of fact, the praise cure is in actuality what enabled Andrew's left pulmonary, pulmonary artery to grow to normal size in nine months. We believe we received one. We believe he has one. And every single day she sang and I confessed. Thank you. I shouted it. Thank you that he has a left pulmonary. Thank you that it's growing. Thank you that it's open. Thank you that it's whole. Every single day, constantly, every day, even though we didn't see it in the natural, but we believed it and didn't, didn't get off of our declaration of faith. Under point two. Well, under point A, for first of all, God desires that our eyes be on him no matter what we face from day to day. Number two, praise brings us to a place of humility. Look in the 34th Psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Be glad about what? Well, I'm making my boast in the Lord. I am boasting in the God that I serve. I'm not boasting in my wisdom. I'm not boasting in my strength. I'm not boasting in my wisdom. I am boasting in the fact that I know the living God, and so I am to have understanding. Praise Him with understanding. And what's the understanding? I understand that when I praise Him, I release His power. I understand that when I praise Him, He is mightily at work, even though I may not see something happening. He is putting something together, a package together, a plan together. He is dispatching from heaven some things that are necessary for me to experience the miracle that I need from Him. Okay, so... Praise then brings us to a place of humility. By praising Him, we acknowledge our dependency on Him. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we remember the name of the Lord our God. Thank you, Jehovah Rapha. You're the Lord, physician, our great healer. Thank you, Jesus. Your name is above every other name. And we praise you for the miracle-working power that's in your name. Number three, praise confounds the enemy. Praise confounds the enemy. The enemy. Go to Second Chronicles, if you would. Chapter 20. This is just a foundation for us. This is what faith is all about. Chapter 20 and verses 22 and 23. You know the story, Jehoshaphat, three armies coming against Judah. And, of course, he sought the face of God. And when he sought the face of God, God spoke to the prophet. The prophet said that you don't have to fight in this battle. The battle is the Lord's. The victory is ours. So in 22 and 23, they were told what to do. And here's what they did. And when they began to sing and to praise, notice, and when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Monsier, which were come against Judah, and, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. Yes. Now, Hollywood should pick up on that. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. All because the praisers went out before the army? And because they praised God and said that he was good and his mercies endure forever. Then God manifested his power in such a way that they were confused and confounded. They probably thought instead of coming against Judah, they thought they were, but they were coming against each other. Everybody was wiped out as a result. Well, in your notes, look at what it says. To confound means to confuse by acting against expectations. Now, listen to this carefully. Acting against expectations. You know what the devil expects us to do when we're sorely challenged? Be miserable, complain, yeah. 
murmur, yep. and the list goes on and on. That's, right. That's his expectation, is it not? But as far as we are concerned, if we know that we're shouting to the Lord with the voice of triumph, with understanding, and we just get away from all that and start praising him for the answer, now the enemy is confounded. Can you imagine if we confused all the COVIDs with our praise and worship? Amen. They'd be so confused, they'd fight each other off. All the different strains, they would come against each other. Amen. All right. I'm not making light of it because it's a serious situation, but my point is, let's face it. We're facing an enemy. We're facing something that's destructive, are we not? Yes. We know that to be true. But also, even though man has tried and is trying to continue to do something to counteract it, we see what's being used also, which is why Johnson & Johnson was taken off the market or right now stopped because it was creating some serious issues in people's lives. Some have died from it and lungs are getting uh, blood clots and that sort of thing. We know that's happening. Okay. So once again, we thank God for what man can do. But for some reason... It's, people want to exalt that above what God can do. And we don't take that to heart and say, you know, we got to roll up our scientific, spiritually scientific sleeves and start finding out what belongs to us in Christ and declaring it and getting to the place or the point where we start shouting it from the mountaintops because you know why? The enemy's not going to flee unless he knows we mean That's business. Right. Thank God we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank God we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Thank God the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in me and quickening my mortal body and giving it life and health. Thank God I've got a sound mind because God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound, sound mind. I will praise you from the mountaintops will I shout it, Father. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, number four. What else does it do? It closes the door to murmuring and complaining are your words. It closes the door to murmuring and complaining. It is easy to murmur. It is easy to complain. That's the natural thing to do. You don't have to have any kind of an education. Just have blood flowing through your veins, and that's it. It's easy to complain. It's easy to murmur, and we've all done it. Everyone's guilty. All right. In Psalm 103, in verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none, all of his benefits, none of his benefits. Who forgives all thine iniquities, who heals all thy diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. When challenged, it's easy to forget the benefits is your word of being in covenant with God. It's easy. And when we find ourselves complaining and complaining, have we forgotten we're in covenant with God? That God made a covenant with us that he will not alter in any way? That God made a promise that through his lips that he spoke and said that he'll, it'll be this way and no other way? God wants us to develop intimacy with him. He wants us to be passionate about what he has done, what he's accomplished in Christ. He wants us to embrace it. He wants us to get a hold of it. He wants us to make it a reality in our lives. It's not a problem of God being a good giver. It's a problem of our being a better receiver, if we can understand that language. What did James say? He said, look, every good gift that's from above comes down from the Father of lights. There's no variableness or shadow of turning. So if you ask, ask in faith. Why? God abrades not. He finds no fault with asking, but ask in faith. Nothing wavering because... If you waver, you're like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive. Not that God hasn't given, but he's not going to receive anything from God. Why? Because Jesus could there do no mighty works for their what? Unbelief at Nazareth? Right. And so that's why we need to have this before our consciousness all the time. Do you realize that? Because we are faced with a world of doubt, unbelief murmuring complaining and the list goes on and on 
And trust me, even when it came with us, to us with, with the doctors at, at the children's hospital, with all respect, in no way any disrespect, these people put a lot of time, effort, and energy to help people, to bless people. They do that. And we had tremendous respect for what their abilities were. But when they come to the Red Sea and they say, there's nothing that we can do. Absolutely nothing that we can do. Now we're at a crossroads. We're like the Israelites at the Red Sea. You've got the sea before you. You've got the mountains on the side of you. You've got the Egyptians coming behind you. There's no time to build a bridge. There's no time to build a plane, a helicopter, or a boat. You just can't do it. There's no time to do it because, you see, if we do it, it's going to take too long, and now we're going to get caught up by the, the Egyptians are going to come along and beat us up. Yeah. Right. So what do we need? If you can't build a bridge over the troubled waters of human life, Throw the tree in. Yeah. The cross. I got it. I got it. The tree. Yeah. At Meribah, remember? Yeah. The waters, or Mara rather, Ma, the waters were poisonous. And, Mo, and Moses said, what am I going to do? The waters are bitter. He said, you see that tree over there? Throw it in. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. And when the tree went into the bitter waters of Human life, they became sweet. Amen. Oh, Jesus is the one that made them sweet. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Uh, next part, through praise, we focus on what he's done for us, his promises, and the purchases made for us in Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I praise you for redeeming me. I praise you for setting me free. I praise you for making me whole. I praise you for healing my hurts. I thank you. I praise you. I bless you. You paid the price, the purchase price, Jesus. I want to praise you. Glory to God. I want to praise you from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. You see, it keeps us focused on the provision or the benefit, not on the problem. And like, like I said, I know it's not an easy thing to do, especially when you're challenged physically and there's pain. Okay, number five, it opens the door to blessings. Look at Psalms 50 and verse 23. It opens the door to blessings. Thank God. Psalm 50, verse 23. And it says, Whoso offers praise, glorifies me whoso offer praise glorifies me who doesn't offer praise doesn't glorify me who doesn't offer praise probably glorifies the problem if you think about it right isn't that the opposite of it whoso offers praise glorifies me to him that orders his conversation right will i show demonstrate the salvation of god do we want to see his salvation? Do we want to see his miracle working power and operation? Whoso offers praise glorifies me. We glorify him above the situation, above the problem, above the circumstance. We glorify him above all these things, praise God. And he says, I will show you my salvation. So it opens the door to the blessings of God. Praise opens the gateway of blessing is your next word. Number 5.5 under A. It opens the gateway of blessing. Hallelujah. You talk about blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in the basket, blessed in the store, blessed in the fruit of your body, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Amen. And then, under point six, it invites God's presence. Hallelujah. Psalm 22 and verse 3. God inhabits the praises of his people of Israel, his people. God lives in, God dwells in, God manifests himself in. the. Pra- you see, we're talking about praising him with understanding. And the understanding is when I praise him for something that I don't have or see, that he has promised me, then he starts to manifest himself and bring forth his power, confuse and confound the enemy and bring reality in our lives. So it invites God's presence, Psalm 22, 3. God dwells close to us as we praise him. Where his presence is, there his power mightily works. Where his presence is. I'll tell you, you can't get into God's presence and not be changed. And not be affected by what happens. Just by him manifesting himself. Okay, It also activates joy in Psalm 16 
It activates joy. I think you should know the verse. In his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore, right? Okay. So if praise then invites his presence, where his presence is, there's fullness of joy. So praise brings his presence. His presence brings joy. Joy is our strength. And then praise enables God to change our situation by changing our hearts. Changing our hearts. And it's not praise that's mustered up because someone is coaching you. You know what I mean by that? Well, come on, lift up your hands. Come on, shout a little bit. Come on, say, no, that's not how it works. I'll give you an example. When I was in need of, of financial resources, when I was in Tulsa, and I was playing catch with my daughter back and forth with this little ball. She was five years old at the time, my oldest. And I didn't know anything about believing God for finances. And I needed finances. I had $2 left to my name and I had to pay $200 for my rent. And, you know, when the Bible, Bible talks about that we are to, like, a, a, like you're pleading your case, like a lawyer would plead their case before God. I said to the Lord, just as simply as I could possibly say it, I said, while we're playing, I said, Lord, to myself, I'm saying, Lord, you know, when I was back in Youngstown, worked in the mill, I never had any issues with this, what I'm going through right now. Always paid my bills on time and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I says, now you told me to come here. You've got the upper hand when you say, you told me to come here. Now, if he didn't author my faith, then he's, he's not in any way responsible to complete it. But because he said to go, I want you to be there. You're in my will. I believe he's obligated to provide for my needs. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. So I said, I need help financially. And I never believed God for any kind of financial help. I've received healing from the Lord, but I never received any kind of financial help whatsoever. And so while we're playing catch, this is so wonderful what the Holy Ghost does. We're playing catch, back and forth, throwing the ball, and the Holy Ghost says, well, you've got to believe you received that money before you can have that money, just like you do with healing. Whoa. That caught my attention. Yeah. I said, what? You've got to believe you receive it before you see it, just like you do with healing. Yeah. I was a little stunned for a moment. I go, oh, oh. You know, the light bulb goes on. That moment, the epiphany, I mean, you have that moment. I said, glory to God. I said, See, it was a shout that no one told me to shout. No one had, I didn't have to muster it up. It came from my toes. I see it. I see it. And so I said, Lord, I need $200 to pay my rent. I'm asking you for $200 to pay my rent. I believe I received $200 to pay my rent. I thank you. I praise you for the $200 to pay my rent. Glory to God. I'm telling you, it was real to me. It was something that I embraced. I believed I received it like I believed I received a healing in my body way back when. And so I'm just walking around from that point on thanking the Lord. I received it. Thank you for the $200. Well, guess what? Guess who came along? Any, any idea who came along? The devil came along the next day and said to me, as I walk by my mailbox, you better look in there and see if you got that money you think you, you're going to get. And at the moment, at that one little moment, yeah. I went, uh-uh, I'm on to you. Yeah. Why would I look for something I've already got? Amen. I actually talked to the devil. All right. Here's what I said. I said, Mr. Devil, I know you're dumb, but now I know you're blind. Amen. I said, do you see that? Yesterday, I asked the Lord for $200. He said to believe I receive it, and I have it. And I said, I believe I receive it. I have it. Why would I look in there for what I have here? But you know, he's, he's yeah. feisty. Oh, yeah. He didn't get, he's pesty. Yeah. He didn't give up. The next day, same thing, walking by the same mailbox. That was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every day, same thing. And I would just say, no, I'm, I'm going I'm to look in that mailbox when I want to look, not when you tell me to look. And I went inside, sat down, got something to eat. And that's, now it's time, maybe an hour later, I said, let me go see what mail we got. Uh -oh. I didn't play his game. Well, finally, the Thursday came along, and that's when it was due. And every day I was just thanking him for it, just thanking praising him that I have it. I have it. I have it. Oh, I'm so glad I have it. I rejoice in the fact that I have it. And then on that day, I got a letter in the mail. 
And these people from Youngstown, Ohio, writes me this note. And they say, I don't know why, we don't know why we're sending you this check for $200. But Sunday, and that's when I prayed, the Lord impressed upon us to send you this check for $200. If you don't need it, then help somebody else. If you don't need it. I said, man, if, if I don't need it? Oh, and I took that check and I had to deposit it into the bank. It was a Thursday. I deposited into the bank. And then I wrote up my own check, took it over to the office, and this lady, she's taking these people's money, this, the checks and all that, and she's going through her booking, you know, all that, the accounts and everything. And I walk over there and I give her my $200. And she just didn't even look up at me, just snatched it out of my hand. I said to myself, lady, if you knew where that came from, you wouldn't just take it out of my hand like that. I want you to know that came on a wing of angels, man. This is a miracle right here. And that was the first time. I often refer to it because it's the first time I ever believed God for finances. I never had to do that before, you know, because I live within my means. I had a good job at the mill and all that. I live within my means. But now I've left all the comforts of that. Okay? The Ur of the Chaldees. I left all the Ur of the Chaldees to find a city whose builder and maker is God. And now I've got to trust God. And event after event happened like this here. That I had to learn to believe God and trust God for financial resources when it seemed like there was no way, but God will always make a way. Amen. Um, but it's the, po the point is, we've got to believe we receive it before we see it. And we've got to really get high on saying, I have it because I know that I know that I know that I know that he heard me. And I have the petition I desired of him. But for me to say, well, that's what you need to do. And you just go off and do it because I said to do it. That's not reality. No, no our faith has got to be based on what we see as truth from God's word. And then we act it out. Okay. So, and then, um, did we get all those under point A? Yes. Changing our hearts. Okay, and the last one, praise unleashes miracle working power. Oh, hallelujah. Praise releases miracle working power. Look at the book of Acts, chapter 16. You know the story, 25 and 26. Paul and Silas. You think the Holy Ghost put this in here for a reason? Oh, yeah. I believe so. You talk about how many midnight hours we've had. Well, let's back it up a little bit. Okay. Verse 20, and brought them to the magistrate saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. Pentecostals are troublesome. And teach customs, okay? They teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison charging the jailer to keep them safely. When, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And before we read the next two verses, if you ever saw that, a picture, if you saw a picture of that, it is an awful way for them to be bound. Their legs are apart. Their arms are so far. They're in a position that's awful position to be in. It's so uncomfortable, and they're in the innermost prison with all the rodents and all the everything else you know that's in there. Imagine being in that place as they were. And then look at the verse 26, or verse 25. And at midnight, you talk about the midnight hour crisis, Paul and Silas prayed, two things, prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. So they prayed first. And saying praises to God. I kind of think the prayer that they might have prayed was like that one woman that prayed her prayer and said, God, if I was in, you was in trouble like I'm in trouble, I'd help you. Yeah. Remember that prayer? Yeah. If you was in trouble like I'm in trouble, I'd help you. I'm in trouble. No, they prayed. Praise or prayer is taking your problem to God. But they prayed and then they sang praises. Praises is bringing God into the situation. They prayed, Lord, you see what's going on here. 
You see how they've beaten us and what they're doing to us. But I'm asking for your divine intervention. We're asking you to get us out of this place, this awful place that we're in. And then they sang praises to God. Mm, Verse 26, and suddenly. Oh, don't you love the suddenlies? The biblical suddenlies? Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Oh, hallelujah. They prayed. They sang praises and suddenly they didn't just shake. The whole place was shaken together, shaken where they were assembled together. Everyone's bands were loose. They were delivered and set free. Why? Because praise brings God's power into the situation to bring deliverance. So it ushers in God's miracle working power. And here's another verse sometimes overlooked in Psalm 118 verse 21 says, I will praise thee. Because you heard me. And you become my salvation. Notice, I praise you because you heard me. Remember Jesus at the grave, at the tomb of uh, Lazarus? What did he say? Father, I thank you that you heard me. Now, Lazarus, come forth. Same concept. I praise you. You heard me when I said, thank you for a left pulmonary artery for Andrew. Thank you for a left pulmonary artery for Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not asking for it again. Thank you that Andrew has a left pulmonary artery that's open and growing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will praise you because you heard me and you become my salvation. If we want him to become our salvation, we got to praise him for hearing us. And then that wonderful verse, Hebrews 13, verse 15, By him, that's by Jesus. Let us therefore offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. You know, that's the sacrifice that we offer in the New Testament. We don't offer bulls and goats and calves. And we don't offer up pigeons and turtle doves and all that. We offer the sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know how you can still sit there. 